episode 65 on a mindset on things above. Why do good? Welcome, welcome back to the podcast. I have a unique episode that has been on my mind and heart lately that I'm eager to share with you and I think is like (laughs) on my heart for a reason. Let's just put it that way. Needless to say, I think it's inspired for a reason. So last week we were talking about how to feel alive and one way to feel like you're living is to go for and dive headfirst into emotions that you have been avoiding to feel like scary challenging emotions that are cause discomfort and you try to avoid at all costs because how it makes you feel when you go for those and you go through that experience and you come out on the other side and even in the midst of going through those emotions and that experience you feel alive rather than avoiding and just feeling kind of ho-hum like is this all there is I don't feel excited like melancholy maybe so anyway that's what we talked about last week now today why do good almost like part two how to feel alive and now that we're living (laughs) or because we're alive why should I do good So this is an interesting question that I've been thinking about lately. And I think things that I see in the world, on social media, in my clients, in people around me, leads me to ask, why should we aspire to do good? Uh, Because myself included, yes, I see people dabbling in sin. We are all sinners we all sin but when I look around and see no regard for sin or no fear of engaging in sin there's no um, conviction for sin that I perceive or I see people engaging in for example it makes me wonder like what is the motivation to do good if sin is so pleasurable and so much fun (laughs) So what is the motivation to avoid sin? To like, should we just stay away from sin to avoid punishment or the consequences that can be incurred? Why do good or avoid sin when we think, eh, my sin is manageable. My sin is permissible. It's okay if I do this. I'm okay with it. It's not that bad. I'm still in control. I can stop at any time I choose to or I want to. I'm still in control. Or we can be in denial and be like, this is not even sin. This isn't sin. I'm flat out call it not what it is. (laughs) Or this is more fun than to not engage in. I'd rather do it than not do it. I'm still going to heaven, so it's not like the end of the world. If I do this, if I engage or dabble in this, 
I'm still going to heaven. I'm still saved. Do you see how easy it is to negotiate? Not obedience. (laughs) The opposite of obedience or to not do good. So I'm kind of just, I'm not just talking about doing good. I'm talking about obeying, obedience. Because sin is disobedience. It's not just like doing bad. You can do something not so good and it's not sin. Do you get what I'm saying? So there's all other sorts of reasons that doing bad or practicing immorality is easy, fun, it's more common, it's even socially acceptable. It's pushed and permitted to engage in sin or do bad things. It's more common to get scrutinized and hated and trolled for doing good. And sticking to biblical morals. So why do good? This is my question that I'm proposing today. Because of sin's lure, I do not advise simply doing good because it feels good. Because the contrast of engaging in sin versus doing good, if the motivation is just to do good because it feels good, that's not viable. That's not like a good enough reason Because of how good sin also feels. Most of the time, it feels better than doing good. Than sticking up for what's right or taking a stand for truth. It feels better to give in to pressure and cave under pressure and give in to sin. So doing good simply because it feels good, I don't think is a valid argument. We also want to recognize when we're doing good or our motivation for doing good is for the wrong reason. Like having a wrong incentive for doing good. Like appearing a certain way in front of people or puffing yourself up or looking good or for validation or acceptance from others. Like what is the motivation or the reason behind the good things that you're choosing to do? Are you obligated to X, Y, Z? And how, what is the condition of your heart for the reason that you're doing good? So I got a lot of scripture sprinkled in throughout this episode. We're going to start with Matthew 5, 16. It tells us the reason behind doing good works. It says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. And what? Glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Second Peter 2.12 says, Conduct yourselves with such honor among the Gentiles, or shall we say unbelievers, that though they slander, oh my gosh, Jesus, no, don't let people, people slander me, even though they slander you as evildoers. Okay, conduct yourselves with such honor among the Gentiles that although they slander you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That was 2 Peter 2.12. Check it out. What else? John 15.8 says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit proving yourselves to be my disciples. So it is evident by our fruit, by our action, 
actions to whom we belong. Are you of the world or are you one of Jesus's disciples? We can know that by the fruit you produce. But hang on to that thought. Okay. So I just want to point out, I'm starting to see a trend in that we've been looking at this question or the way I've been presenting this question so far is out of a false premise. We got to back up. I'm asking why should I do good? Like thinking of myself as the benefactor. Why should I do good? What's in it for me? What do I get out of doing good? How is this in my best interest? Do you see how self-focused that is? And oh, how we do this in life. Why should I do this? What's in it for me? What is my motivation for doing good, abstaining from sin? Especially if I'm going to be slandered against and persecuted. What's in it for me? Persecution? No, thank you. Um, it's not about you at all, dear friend. It's not about you at all. As we can see from these couple verses here, we do good to glorify our Father in heaven. We undergo slander, persecution, criticism, trolling, hate. Not for us. So when we take ourself out of the picture, because ourselves as motivation is not enough, there's not enough reason for ourselves, we would rather give in to sin. We would rather give in to temptation and sin if we ourselves are the motivator of whether we do good or not. (laughs) We cave under pressure, we quit, we give in, we look at the temptation and we're like, oh yeah, that would feel much better than sticking up for what's right or abstaining from sin or doing what's good. Oh yeah, that sin would make me feel so much better. I'm going for it. We just don't have enough reason in and of ourselves to say no to sin when we are in the picture. So not just black and white, flat out sin, disobedience, but also in not doing good. So it might not be sin, but it might not be good. Um, I can't think of an example. We're just gonna we're just gonna go on. So there's plenty that we do that isn't strictly immoral, but it's also not good. This leads to our demise. Psalm 34, 14 says, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Hebrews 13, 16, do good and share, by the way. Ah! Jesus. Share with those in need. Do good and share. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary, because you know we all do, Jesus, in doing good, for we will reap in due season if we don't give up. Don't give in to temptation and sin. Give way to sin. Verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, Let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Romans 12, 18, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Here's a caveat in Luke 6, 33. 
Words in red, y'all. If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. So don't just look out for good people that you can do good to. That is of no benefit or credit to you. Mm. So this is what we're saying. The thing about slander for doing good, it's reputable. Feeling awful for standing for your morals, standing for truth, abstaining from sin, and then getting shot down for it at work or in society. Good job. Keep it up. Pat on the back. You're on the right track. Because it's not about you, sweetheart. I know it feels awful. I know it's uncomfortable. I know you really want to lash back and fight fire with fire. When you get that hate mail or that comment or whatever. Like someone looks down on you because you pray before you eat. Whatever it is. See, there's an example. It's not sinful to not pray before you eat. Um, but it might be good to pray before you eat. Um, it's not bad. You know, there's gray. There's gray area. So let your light shine before men so your father will be known and glorified despite the rejection, the put down, the slander. Romans 12.20, to your enemy, do good and not evil. For in doing, you will reap burning coals on his head. (laughs) Bite the bullet, y'all. I can say that because I live in Texas. Okay, so there's another valid reason that I want to talk about for why we should work and strive and focus on doing good and abstaining from evil and immorality and doing bad. And it's not just to feel good, oh, I'm a good person, or to look good in front of people and get accolades and recognition because you're such a good person. No. Um, so not just doing good, but yeah, abstaining from sin. Sin is a slippery slope, a deadly trap, especially if you make secret compromises to yourself. Secret agreements to engage in immorality that you hold in your heart of hearts. That only you know about. You keep it secret. Do not be fooled. God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. I forgot to look at the reference for that. I think it's in Galatians. Don't be fooled, y'all. God can will not, he cannot be mocked. Whatever you reap, even if it be a deep, dark secret or a hidden agenda, that will you also reap. So there is this problem, this issue in dabbling with sin. I'm pretty sure it's scientific. I have not done any research, but I'm pretty certain there is a scientific, a science behind Living in contradiction to your spiritual calling as a child of God eats at you from the inside out. When you harbor a secret sin and now you're, you have this conflict of light and dark. That was another thing. There's a zillion verses. Oh my gosh, there's so many verses about how light cannot coincide with darkness that's a great bible study 
uh, to do. Just Google it. Um, but when we have this inner conflict because, oh, we like this sin and it's only something I know about and I'm in control, I can stop whenever I want to and we make all these negotiations of why it's okay to let this sin stay in my life. Now there's an inner conflict of light and dark because you are a child of God who it is in your best interest to be obedient. I am certain that there is a scientific um, research backing behind how this eats you from the inside out and leads to all sorts of, because it manifests into sickness and disease. Literally, it literally does. So prime example, I was listening to this podcast that I discovered back in Faith February when I was doing some research in apologetics. I really like this podcast. The hosts were discussing the case on, oh yes, Ravi Zacharias, who passed away of cancer in 2020, May, two years ago. And I was sad when I learned that he had passed away because he's world-renowned. He's done so much in the world of apologetics. He's, he was so great, like in my eyes. But little did we know of the secret sin that he had been actively engaged in for a long time. Oh, and so I'm sure myself along with every other Christian was disgusted to learn of his crime. So here is this great person of faith furthering the gospel and doing all these good things, good things outwardly on the appearance, like at first sight, doing all these good things. He has a ministry. He's furthering the cause of Christ. He's, you know, growing the kingdom, all these things. Yet he had an inner deep secret sin that he refused to bring into the light and deal with. He hid it, kept it secret, justified it, and I think it led to his demise. He died of cancer. Okay, so he lived a life of secret sin, a life of contradiction, which led to his demise. Living with internal conflict is a nesting ground for disease. You, God cannot be mocked. You, we cannot keep secret sin and think that we can get away with it. But we say, oh, I'm saved. I'm still going to heaven. It's not like I'm going to, you know, be apart from Christ in eternal damnation. So it's okay if I do this. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. but, oh yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> My notes. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and strongholds. And I forgot to look up that reference, but I'm sure y'all have heard it. We make this agreement, an internal agreement of like, like Robbie, I know I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. So this is acceptable. This is permissible for me to do here in this life. And 
Another mm, non-motivator, I mean, one reason we do not simply just do good is to, yeah, store up treasures in heaven. We do get eternal reward. That is a great incentive. But on the flip side, we, there are, let's see, how can I say this? There will be less reward for you in heaven based on the sin that we engage in and like have these agreements. So we know, you know, you have the Holy Spirit residing in you if you are a born again child of God. And so to engage and choose. Okay, so for example, myself. I was in a relationship that I knew was not God honoring. It was an adulterous relationship for seven years and I knew it. And I had this inner turmoil for seven years for the whole duration. But it was a sin that I agreed to, that I enjoyed, I liked, I derived pleasure from. I got satisfaction and um, I felt fulfilled. I felt loved. All these like positive things from a negative that I knew was wrong. Um, yeah, so there will be um, consequences. Consequences. You will be judged for that. And there will be an outcome an eternal result like when we get to heaven. Does that make sense? So this is what I want to point out or I want you to consider. Do you have disease in your body? Sickness, disease, chronic illness, emotional problems, mental disorders, high blood pressure. Are you pre-diabetic? Do you have like uneasiness, stress, anxiety, um, heart problems. I'm not saying that if you have such sickness or disease or illness that you are sinning. I'm not saying that. At the same time, we are all freaking sinners. We are all sinners. So it's nothing to get defensive or bent out of shape over. We want to hide our imperfections. We want to hide our sin because it's uncomfortable. It feels awful to be exposed, to be found out, and it makes us look bad. So when we hide, but we're all sinners, okay? Nobody's perfect. And we have this inner conflict, this inner turmoil of light and darkness, Because we're choosing to allow this sin in our life. We're not resolving it. We're not confessing it or abstaining or bringing it out into the light. That is a nesting ground for sickness and disease. I'm just posing that. Okay. Like I say, I am confident there is scientific evidence to back this. Yeah, definitely. I just can't blurt any out (laughs) okay so notice how the focus somehow gets back on ourselves that's why we don't want to get found out exposed 
Okay, because it makes us feel, here it is, the focus is back on us. I feel ashamed. I feel embarrassed. I feel lesser than. So we fight to hide to make ourselves feel good. We hold on to our precious sin, precious. And it causes this internal conflict, which festers and over time manifests itself physically in our bodies. But, of course, we will um, issue away our, our health concerns, our health problems, like, for a valid reason, right? Oh, I was born with it, or I'm just overweight and I need to get into shape, or I need to be more active, or I'm just, I need to manage my stress better because that's why I get sick all the time, or I can't sleep. Like, there's always a valid reason I eat junk food too much, so that's why I have these problems. There's always a believable, valid reason for why we're sick or why we have disease, illness, etc. But I want you to look at your heart and look at your life and consider if there is undealt with sin. Even sin that you're not calling sin. You're like, no, that's not sin. This is fine. This is okay. And here's my reasons why. This is fine. This is acceptable. This is permissible. Ooh, tough stuff, Cookie. So we're not making accusations here like the disciples did in John 9, where they said, Rabbi, who sinned that this man, or this man or his parents, that he was born blind? First of all, stupid question. How could the man sin before he was born in order for him to be born blind? Dumb question. (laughs) Jesus replied that neither have sinned, neither the man who was born blind nor his parents. But this has happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Ouch. Like, are you willing to be healed or be available for the works of God to be displayed in your life? Or is the sin that we're engaged in too much fun? Too much fun and I don't want to give it up. Um, or in this case, like the infirmity, the um, brain fart. No, uh, disability. <laughs> disability, infirmity, sickness, illness, problem, issue, concern, thing going on in your body. Are you willing to look at it and say like, God heal me and reveal to me What needs to be cleansed and purified from me in order that you may be glorified. And that your glory may be displayed in me through what is happening in my life. Through my own engagement in sin. Like convict me please Lord. Can we find it in ourselves to be humble enough to say yes. All right, back to Ravi and us. So secondly... When we conceal our sin, what else does it do? And why should we be concerned? It taints our witness. Yeah. So we are not a reputable light for Christ when we are tainted by sin. Now, Ravi did amazing things and was a Christian. Okay, he did amazing things in the world of apologetics. 
But once you learn of the sexual sin he was engaged in, it wasn't just, I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know. And I didn't like research into it. I was really sad when I heard about it, but this podcast goes into detail. I mean, it explains more thoroughly what it was and what he was doing behind the scenes and for a long period of time and how he justified what he was doing and how he reacted. He would have outbursts of anger and he would accuse other people of like just trying to point things out in him or make him look bad. Like definitely he was hiding what he was doing. Um, and you lose your credibility, y'all. Like how could you? You big hypocrite. You liar. And it causes others, people not of faith or unbelievers, to question, like, why should I be a Christian? Look at this. Look at this dude. Look what he did. Like, why do I need Jesus? Why do I need Christ if I can just do good works and engage in sin at the same time? I don't need Jesus. So God takes sin serious. And going back to my original question in this episode, thank you for listening so much, y'all. We are at 30 minutes. We're about to wrap up. God takes sin serious. And my question is, why should we do good? Why should I be a good person? Why should I do good works? Simply to, like please people or feel good about myself or appear to be righteous um or to make god happy is that a good reason to be obedient to god because he asks me to and commands me to do things so i should be obedient but i'm still going to heaven and he still forgives me he parts my sin as far away as the east is from the west so why should i do good and abstain from sin many Christian leaders have been fired from their positions when such sins have been brought into the light. Sin is something to be taken seriously. Not because your salvation is on the line. Okay, once saved, always saved. Um, that's why the temptation is to hide it, is to avoid punishment, James 5.16, moving through my notes here. James, James 5.16 says, Confess therefore your sins one to another and pray for one another that ye may be... Do you know how it goes? How does it end? Confess therefore your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Yeah, it says Healed. Heal of what? A broken heart? My guilt for sinning? What do I need to be healed from? My conviction that I did that? Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Because the supplication of a righteous man availeth much in its working. Words in red, y'all. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 5, 48. Jesus is the example of a human being who was tempted with all sin. Tempted in all ways. 
yet found blameless. He did not give in to all the temptations. He did not sin. If he can do it, it is possible for us to do it. Why else would he say be perfect? Okay, I'm not telling you that you should be perfect and never sin again. But just know that it is possible because Jesus did. And he's our example. So confess your sin one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Doi, what was I saying earlier about there being scientific evidence for when we juggle this internal conflict of light and dark? It comes out physically as sickness. It comes out as ailments and disease, mental, physical, emotional, because we part of it I'm just offering is that we don't actively find accountability and confess. Okay, it's one thing to go to God and be like, God, please forgive me. I looked at porn. Ooh, have you told someone about that? Have you confessed your sin? The thing you did. It's one thing to repent between you and God and share it with him. But James 5.16 says to confess and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. Here we are like just keeping it between you and God. And then later it comes out in physical sickness and disease. And we're like, God, please heal me. And God's like, confess your sin. Okay, maybe we will do a study sometime on being righteous. There's so much that the Bible says about being righteous and the the results and the benefits of what we harvest from being righteous. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's amazing, it's awesome. For now, I think perspective, having perspective definitely plays a role in being motivated to please God and do good. When you try to wrap your mind around the vastness of the universe, so referring back to Faith February when I was doing some research and sharing on creation and how did we get here and how did the universe get here. This is a good point, actually. If we were created by God and the universe came into existence by a creator, you must acknowledge that you have to answer the worldview questions. I talked about it back in February. Where did I come from? What is the meaning of my life? What should I do with my life if I am created by a creator? And it just builds upon itself where we come to the conclusion that I must be obedient. Like, I must live for God if I was created um, and I have a reason for being here. I'm not just an accident. Um, So, when you try to comprehend the vastness of the universe and you begin to see how great God is, it puts things into perspective. You're like... Holy wow. God is like pretty unfathomable. And I think I want to do everything I can to make him happy. And to glorify him because of how amazing he is. How incredible. Wow. It really puts things into perspective when you... And I would definitely encourage if you haven't, do some research. Try 
to understand the universe, learn about the universe, you'll be blown, mind blown away. Puts things into perspective. It stirs a reverential awe and cultivates a holy fear for this God who created everything, the universe, the galaxies, the world, you and I. Easter is a few weeks away. And when you consider what Christ went through in the crucifixion, it puts what you do into perspective. Why would I blaspheme the name of God? Why would I disgrace what Jesus has done by choosing to engage in sin? Holy crap, y'all. No. When you understand what Christ went through to win your soul, why would I do something so stupid as to engage in sin? That is like the most retarded thing ever. (laughs) So putting things into perspective helps like you, I guess, to be motivated to say no to sin and be like, you want to slander me? That's fine. I'm cool because look what Jesus did to win my soul. Okay, when you see what he endured to win your soul, the focus turns big picture, like eternity big picture. Not just, I don't know, less than 100 years of a lifetime picture. Okay, there is an eternal perspective that we need to set our mind on things above on. Does that make sense? (sighs) Fantastic. Thank you for listening today. I hope you are encouraged, challenged, convicted, (laughs) and I would love to talk with you if you want to. If you want to talk about these things, if there's anything on your heart, on your mind, let's just talk like a one-off conversation. I'm here for it. I'm here for you. I'm here for your heart. I'm here for your healing. I'm here to spur you on to goodness, to good things, and to pleasing God. Okay? Let's do it, y'all. Have a wonderful week. I'll see you uh, next week. (laughs)